In 2008, in West Virginia, Velma Thomas, at the time 59, set a modern-day record. Uh, probably one you don't want to try to beat yourself. See, Velma was in her home in West Virginia when she went into cardiac arrest. When paramedics arrived to the scene, she was unconscious. So they rushed her to West Virginia Hospital, where her heart eventually stopped beating. And doctors and medical staff put her on life support and took measures to try to save her life. If you know anything about the heart when it stops beating, you have about nine minutes until brain failure sets in, and then you have about 20 minutes, and then there's usually no coming back. And for Velma, there was no heart activity, and there was no brainwave function. So by all means, she was clinically dead. Her family had gathered around, hoping, praying for a miracle that somehow, some way, Velma would pull through. But after 17 hours of no heart and no brain function, it looked like there was no hope of her coming back. So family made peace with the situation, and they instructed doctors to go ahead and turn off Velma's life support system. And her son went down to make uh, funeral arrangements, and then... Uh, what happened is kind of miraculous. See, Velma started to move. In fact, she came back to life. She woke up. She started speaking. She even started asking for her son. And what happened that day, doctors could only explain as a miracle. Amazing, isn't it? After 17 hours of being clinically dead, and then suddenly back to life. A miracle, perhaps, maybe just a mere set of lucky coincidences? I don't know. I'll let you decide. But her son later said in an interview, maybe we just had to step out of the way and let Jesus do his work. I'm sure if you're anything like me, and I know I am, uh, I have a lot of questions about death, dying, what happens after you die, what happens, how do you know if you're dead? How do you know if you've come back from the dead? It's like we're all heading towards this cliff and we just don't know when we're going to fall off. It's like we're living in this tension between death being some far-off experience and something that could come for us at any moment. And people have had questions about death and dying and what happens after you die since the dawn of time. And for some, their best hope is that when they die, that's just it. They're dead. Infinite nothingness. But if you're a Christ follower, your hope is that one day you're going to be in the presence of Jesus. But for many, that still seems like a far-off experience in the someday. So what about today? What about right now? See, what happened to Velma has been considered by the medical community as Lazarus Syndrome. And if you don't know where that got its name, by the end of today's message, you should have a pretty good idea. Uh, but... All of these cases that have been documented since like the 1980s have only been maybe a few minutes to several minutes to some a few hours, and then some, like Velma's case, very few, several hours. But none have gone a day, let alone several days. And so there are those in the medical community that want to explain away the miraculous. They want to say it's just that the patient appeared to be dead. They weren't actually dead, and because of certain circumstances or coincidences, then it just looks like they came back to life. Well, perhaps, but today we're going to see an event that cannot be explained away. We're going to see Jesus' power over life and death itself. And we're going to see that Jesus is the Lord 
of right now. Today we're continuing our series in miracles showcasing Jesus' power over everything. We've seen Jesus turn water into wine. We've seen him heal miraculously. Uh, The blind see, the paralyzed walk. We've seen his power and control over food and fish and even nature and even the spiritual realm. And today we're going to see his power over life and death itself. We've been asking the question often, how do we experience more of the miraculous power of Jesus in our lives? I believe that God answers prayers around us all day, every day, maybe sometimes going unnoticed or we're not giving him credit for it, or maybe we're just marking it up to coincidence. How much of the miraculous things are we missing each and every day? Our hope in this series has been to challenge you to boldly ask and expect Jesus' powerful presence in your life, and then maybe you'll just witness the miraculous. What do you need God to do for you right now? Hi, my name is David. It's great to be with you here today. You can usually find me out at the Connections booth. Uh, Let's pray as we get into today's message, Jesus, the Dead Raiser. Lord Jesus, we're just so thankful to be uh, gathered here together in your name. Lord, please forgive us where we don't see the work that you're doing in situations every day. Lord, help, help to open our hearts and minds to the miraculous things that you do for us. And Lord, I just pray that this message would help people to take a step of belief and trust in you like they never have before. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, God is talking to Gideon. I don't know if Gideon realizes at that moment that God's talking to him, but he says uh, this, uh, Gideon says this to God, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all these miracles that our ancestors told us about? And it's probably the same question that you and I have had. It's probably the same question that's been asked for generations. And for sure, it was probably the question being asked in first century Judea as it was under Roman occupation, and Jesus walks on the scene. And in the Gospel of John, uh, the Apostle writes this in his account, in John 20, verse 31. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. In that same uh, Gospel account, in John chapter 11, Jesus receives word that his friend Lazarus is very sick, on the verge of death. And Lazarus and his family lived kind of just outside of Jerusalem in Bethany. And Jesus, last time he was in that area, kind of had a run-in with the Pharisees and the religious elite about his claim to be the Son of God. And they wanted to arrest and stone him for his claim as being a man, making himself equal with God. And his disciples knew that if they went anywhere back near Jerusalem, that they would most likely be arrested and even killed. But Jesus had that special connection with that family in Bethany. And so uh, his sisters knew that if they could just get Jesus there, Martha and Mary, if they could just get Jesus there, that he, Jesus, could save their brother Lazarus from dying. But because of the circumstances, it's possible maybe he wouldn't even come. In fact, he didn't come before they took Lazarus' lifeless body and they laid it in a tomb and they sealed it. And they began a week-long mourning process. And people from the area came uh, to console Martha and Mary. 
And on the, the fourth day, Martha hears that Jesus is, in fact, coming. And so she rushes out to meet him, and she says, Lord, Lord, I know if you just would have been here, my brother would still be alive today. And Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And she says, yes, Lord, I know, I know. In the last day, in the resurrection, when everybody's raised up, then I will see my brother. And I got to think Jesus is thinking, Martha, Martha, you don't understand. I'm here right now. And he tells her this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he died, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And I don't know if Martha was thinking Jesus was just talking in spiritual terms or still in the someday. But she said that she did believe that he was the Christ, the Son of God, come into the world. And uh, she goes and she runs and grabs her sister Mary and says, Jesus wants to see you. And Mary takes off now and the guests are follower thinking, oh, we must be going to the tomb. And when she gets there, she says the same thing. Lord, Lord, I know if you just would have been here, my brother would be alive today. And Jesus, seeing Mary weep and the guests weep, he's filled with compassion. And he says, let's go see the tomb. And when they get there, even Jesus begins to weep. And then some of the crowd said, look how he loved this family. Look how he loved Lazarus. But then you had others kind of starting in. Well, this is that miracle worker guy. He even healed a blind man. Why couldn't he just come and heal his friend Lazarus from dying? Can you imagine the emotion, the heartache of being there? Maybe even the question stirring in your mind. Yeah, why couldn't Jesus come just a few days earlier. I mean, he was coming anyway. Why couldn't he save my brother? And often God doesn't show up in our time. He shows up in his time. And Jesus came just at the perfect time because the events and situations that happen next would have to be a complete denial of the miracle and the message of the miracle worker that he was, in fact, who he claimed to be the Christ the son of a living God. Uh, Let's read what happens in John chapter 11 as they're at the tomb, starting in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I don't know if we just read over these uh, miracles because that's what happens in the Bible. Uh, But just take a moment to imagine you're at a funeral. There's a casket. it's, It's closed. And this guy walks in. 
And he says, where's the casket? Right here. And then he says, open it. You're like, okay, who's this guy that just showed up? But then he tells the person, get up out of the casket. And now we're all thinking, has this guy gone crazy? But then the person does. And then we're looking around like, are we on Canon camera? Uh, for the younger generation, that's a TV show. Um, and the, not only that, then the guy gets up and he starts walking around talking to people. It would go from a situation of complete sorrow to questioning to then this big excitement of what in the world just happened. And when you left there that day, you would probably tell everybody that you ran into. You're not going to believe what happened. That funeral I went to where the guy that was dead, obviously, because he's at a funeral, um, this guy walks in and he tells him to get up and he does. And you can come meet my dead friend who's actually my alive friend. I know it's a confusing situation, but you can meet him and you can meet the guy that raised him from the dead. And that's exactly what the Pharisees and religious leaders in Jerusalem were worried about as the Passover celebration was coming up. Because at this Passover celebration, that was a time where everybody kind of just crowded into uh, Jerusalem to celebrate God's deliverance of his people uh, from the enslavement in Egypt. And if there, was any time, if there was any time of a messianic kind of fervor, it was probably at the Passover celebration. So the religious elite knew that if the people accepted Jesus as their king, as their Messiah, that there would be a price to pay with Rome. Not just for their nation, but kind of the sweetheart deal that they had set up with the Romans. And to accept Jesus as Messiah would be to give that up. So they kind of call a council of religious leaders together and they say, if we let this Jesus guy keep going on like this, there's not going to be anybody that doesn't believe in him. And the Romans are going to come and take away our place and our nation. And at this point, there was undeniable proof of the miracle, but they hardened their hearts and they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. In fact, they even wanted to put to death Lazarus, the guy he raised from the dead, because he was going around causing too many people to believe in Jesus. And as the Passover celebration began, the question was on everybody's minds. Is this miracle worker we've heard about, this guy who's been healing people and now has even raised a person who's been dead for four days, will he come to the celebration even though he's wanted by the, the Jerusalem elite for being arrested? And when they heard that he would come, the town just goes ecstatic. They go grab some palm branches, they start laying down their clothes as he's coming into town on a donkey, and they start yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And as Jesus comes riding into town, he goes to the temple. The next day he cleanses it. And he, starts, he basically takes it over and he starts teaching there for the next couple of days. And probably to the apostles and the ones looking in, this is it. This is what they've been waiting for. The king, the warrior king, has arrived to kick the Romans out and to restore Israel's glorious kingdom. But Jesus wasn't there on their terms. He was there on his terms. And by midweek, Judas would betray him. He'd be handed over to the Roman governor, and he'd be whipped, scourged, put on trial as an insurrectionist. 
And the people who were so excited, some of them so excited to see him earlier that week, were now yelling out, crucify him, crucify him, even though Pilate was trying to let him go. And so they nailed him to the cross anyway, a public execution. And nobody survives a Roman execute, uh, crucifixion because just to make sure he was dead, they took a spear and shoved it into his side. Undeniable proof that Jesus was in fact dead when they took his body, laid it in a tomb, and sealed it. But as you and I know, that's not the end of the story. So maybe we need to ask ourselves a serious question. Are we like Gideon, where we think God is the God of the past and he just did all those things for the people back then? Or are we like Martha, where we say we believe God can do it, but it's more of a someday thing? And maybe we need to challenge our hearts and our minds to focus in on what Jesus was telling Martha. Look, I'm here right now. God is here right now. And are we like Lazarus, going out, living that resurrection life right now, telling people of the new life Jesus has given us? Have we been accused of causing too many people to believe in Jesus? See, God has been doing miracles and wonders probably all around us every day. But maybe we just choose to look the other way or harden our hearts and even deny the things going on around us. And maybe for some it's because they hold a long-held belief or they're in a comfortable situation or maybe they have a special deal or maybe it's just the pride of self having to admit that one was wrong. But Jesus stands at the door and knocks and all we have to do is let him in. He knows all our hopes, our wants, our needs, our desires, and he wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to communicate with us, and he wants us to ask him for things, maybe even the big things, but then we trust his will, we trust his timing, we trust he can do it, and maybe we don't understand it all in the moment, but we trust that God is good and that he loves us. So we trust his timing, and we trust his plan. And maybe like the father that Pastor Ben was talking about just a few weeks ago, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Do you believe truly that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God? Have you put all your hope, your trust, and your belief in him? Are you waiting for God to show up and do something someday? Or do you realize that Jesus is the Lord of right now? We trust God's timing and we accept Jesus on his terms. We don't create a God in our image and then wonder why he doesn't show up with all his power and might to serve us. God is doing some undeniable things in our lives, but are we just hardening our hearts, hardening our hearts to them? It's time to take Jesus at its word, his word. It's time to put all our hope, our trust, and our belief in him. Maybe there's something just so big it seems impossible, but without God, maybe it needs to stay impossible so that we have to trust him for the timing and the results. Do you believe he can do it? With God, the impossible becomes possible. So do this with all the faith that you have today. 
Give God the impossible and then trust Him with the timing and the results. Give God your impossible and then trust Him with the timing and the results. And let's go live the resurrection life right now. Throughout this series, uh, we've continued to put the challenge out there to ask God for things, maybe even that big thing, and keep track of it. Maybe write it down so that we can give Him glory for uh, the prayers that He answers. And maybe don't just make it uh, this series challenge. Maybe make that a lifetime challenge. Um, And so we ask God for the miracle. We believe that He can do it, but then we trust His timing. Let's pray. Most kind Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful for the gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ, that He died for our sin and that because of him, because of what he did, we can be back in relationship with you. Lord, we accept you on your terms. We accept your timing, and we trust you that you're a loving, good God. Lord, we just ask that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that doesn't have that relationship with you, that they would open their heart and mind to you, and that they would know that you love them. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.